You're listening to the CTK O'Fallon Podcast. If you're ready to go to the Word of the Lord tonight, I'm going to direct your attention to Proverbs chapter number 19. We're going to jump around, uh, uh, do a topical study this evening if we can. And uh, the title of this evening's uh, study is Check Your Heart. And we're looking at the subject of integrity. And I don't, I don't know if there's uh, ever a day where integrity is out of fashion and not in order to be spoken about. But if there's ever a day where it needs to be spoken about, I think we're living in it. And uh, we need integrity in our culture. We need integrity in our world uh, more than ever before. And I'm not worried about the world. I can't change all of the world, and uh, I know that's, that seems, sounds a little bit futile, but what I can change and what I can control is I can control me right here. And the way we change the world is by starting right here, and that does make an impact. Amen. So we're going to open this up tonight. I need the Lord to help me tonight. I know you want the Word of the Lord in your heart, so would you just bow your heads right where you're sitting? Let's just ask God's word to have its way in our life. Lord, tonight I thank you that you have given us your word. I thank you that you have given us your truth and your love. And I pray in these next few moments tonight that you would anoint my mind, my mouth to speak your word. As we look at the word of God, let our hearts be ready to receive. And I pray today, Lord, let your spirit have free reign to convict us and to challenge us to mold us and to shape us. And God, make us what you want us to be for your glory. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Are you happy to be in church? Clap your hands until the Lord tonight. I don't know about you. I'm happy to be in church. Amen, amen, amen. Amen. I want to read one verse of Scripture before we get into this study. And uh, then you can follow along with me. But let's make this, we'll make this tonight sort of our text sort of our key text. And we're starting at Proverbs chapter number 19, one verse of Scripture, and here it is in verse number 1. And he says, Better is the poor that walketh in his integrity than he that is perverse in his lips and is a fool. Better is the poor that walketh in his integrity than he that is perverse in his lips, and is a fool. Now, the wise man is not exalting poverty. He is not exalting a state of need, a state of lacking. He, he's not even in this passage exalting a state of humility. But he is speaking about poverty or the poor in the context that it is nothing that we on our own given ability or intellect desire. I don't, I don't desire to be poor. I don't desire to be in poverty. I don't know. Amen. Maybe nobody. I don't, it's not what I desire. I, you just don't wake up and say, this is what I want to do, you know, kind of thing. And, uh, but that, that and, and some of us say that from a point of poverty or, or whatever, but that's not our desire. And that was what he was saying. Something that you will never desire, something that you will never choose, poverty, poor, being in need. He said, it is better that you be something that you would never choose than to go without integrity. 
There's something worse than being poor. And integrity is something that is to be so valued and so uh, sought after and so prized, if you will, treasured that even in your obvious desires against things like poverty and a discomforted life, it would be better for you to live that lifestyle than to lose out your integrity. Now, we're talking tonight about integrity. We're looking at integrity, maintaining your integrity. If you don't have integrity, the wise man is saying, then there's no other state of being that you should exist, worth existing in. Integrity is everything. You lose your integrity, you lose your marriage, you lose your friends, you lose your relationships, you lose your career, you lose your reputation. It's all about integrity. Now, the focus of the church, the focus of us, is not that we prize ourselves or we pat ourselves on the back about how great we are or how wonderful we are. No, everything that we do is about the Lord. It's about the Lord Jesus Christ. It's about the God eternal. It's about God who lives up in heaven. And so everything is about Him. And, and, and through the revelation of who He is, we find out who we are and who we can become and who we ought to be. And that's tonight where we're looking is... Who are we and who ought we to be? And we ought to be people of integrity because of who He is. He is holy. That's a good place to say amen, Luca. That's right, right there. Amen. You chimed in right on cue tonight. He is holy. He is perfect. He's without blemish. He's without flaw. And so we, as created in the image of God have a responsibility, we have a duty, we have a purpose. There was an intent that we be people of integrity. And when integrity is lost, it is a perversion of God's intent. And it's interesting that the wise man uses that very word. If you lose your integrity, you are perverse in his lips and is a fool. God did not give you a mouth so that you would speak evil things. He gave you a mouth so that you could speak good things. He gave you the ability to speak so that you could speak blessings, and yet the wisest man says you lose your integrity and you have perverseness in your lips. It's a perverseness. And without integrity, there's a perversion that comes. So what we're talking about in integrity is we're talking about a matter of the heart, a matter of the heart. Let's go to Job, if you will, 2 and 3, and let's look at um, one of the oldest texts in Scripture, and that is the story of Job, the character of Job. And look at what the Bible says here. And the Lord said unto Satan, and we won't get it jump into, we're just jumping into the narrative here, we won't expound it. And he says, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth? And look at what he says. He gives them some characteristics. A perfect and upright man, one that feareth God and issueth evil. He feareth God. What does he mean to fear God? Well, that, there is a, a, a moral 
reverence that goes on here. There's the fear of God. It, it does mean what it says to fear God, to be afraid, to know that God in all of His power and all of His justice can at one moment right the scale and, and, and make everything right. And if we're on the wrong side of that equation, we, we ought to walk in fear. But, but it's not walking in a, 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 a sense of terror that we can't approach God because He's a God that loves us. He's a God that desires us. But, but we maintain a moral reverence for God. We do not ever blur the lines that because God loves me, I'm on the same level as God. Does that make sense? I don't ever act like, hey, I'm on the same level of God, as God. No, there is a moral reverence for who God is. Does he love me? Do I engage him? Is he active in my life? Absolutely, but I maintain a reverence for who he is. That's why it's good to have a reverence for the things of God and the ways of God. And irreverence in, our, in any civilization, but in our culture and in our society today, is a dangerous thing. It's not wise, the wise man said. And he goes on and said, Job did not only fear God, but he issueth evil, meaning that he abstained from evil, that he departed from evil, that he set evil aside, that he left evil and evil things in his life. You, you, can't, you can't be a man of integrity, and one that's perfect and upright, and be holding things that are not right close to your heart and close to your spirit and close to your soul. It, it, it doesn't matter it doesn't matter what you say if you're maintaining all of this ungodly stuff. No, he issued evil. And look what Jesus, or God says about him, what the Lord says about him. And still he holdeth fast his integrity, although thou movest me against him to destroy him without cause. And so God speaks about Job and said, Job is maintaining his Integrity. He holds fast his integrity. If you look down just a few more verses, when all of this stuff comes upon Job, Job's wife in a moment of weakness or whatever comes to him in Job 2 and 9, and he, she said unto him, Dost thou still retain thou in thy integrity? Ask this question. And then she gives him this, this desire. Curse God and die. She was at a point, probably the lowest point you could come, where she saw everything in life as vanity. She saw all of Job's righteousness not paying off. And so she comes to this place and says, curse God and die. Life was so bad that when she looked at her husband and his faith in God, and she looked at people that didn't believe in God and weren't righteous and were perverse, she did not see a difference in the blessing. In fact, she saw that there was more of a hardship upon her husband and so she said, curse God and die. Let me just highlight this. You will never have your integrity tested when things are going good. Can I say that again? Your integrity will never be tested when things are going good. Your integrity is tested when things are going wrong. And when everything was going wrong in Job's life, his wife then says, look, she couldn't see a way out. Just curse God and die. Just run away from it all. But in the middle of all that, now did Job gripe and complain? Absolutely. On some things. And he had, he had some just cause. 
We'd probably, we'd probably gripe and complain before we pick on Job a whole lot more than he did if we went through what he did. But he never would curse God. And he maintained his integrity. I preach Sunday night that sometimes you don't know what's ahead of you. You don't know what's going to come before you. But God is the Lord of the night. But not only is he Lord of the night, but we've got to be men and women of integrity. That we don't waver, that we don't shake, that we don't change. Let's look at the word integrity. The word integrity means the quality of being honest and having strong moral principles or moral uprightness. There's a moral uprightness there. And then the second part of that definition is this, the state of being whole and undivided. The state of being whole and undivided. Now, I like this because I think this gives us a little bit of um, insight into this word. The word comes from the Latin word which we use to uh, say uh, in math. What's the, when we're talking about a whole number, how do you say it? Huh? Integer? Integer, right? Yeah, okay. Integer. Is it jur or ger? Jur, okay. Thank you. Integer. It, it basically means a whole number. You have a whole number. It's not a fraction of a number. It's not part of a number. It's the whole number. And so that, that means it's intact. It is what it is. It's not divided. And this has meaning to integrity. It's a, a state of being whole, not divided. Well, I think I can find another place in the New Testament. If you flip, flip to the New Testament and you go to the book of James and you look at what James was saying, James says the same thing in... Uh, uh, that the wise man says, he just says it in backwards form. And James says this, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. So, so integrity means you're complete, you're whole, without division, without divide. And James is saying, you got somebody that's double-minded. What's double-mindedness? Double-mindedness is when you're one thing one day and you're something else the next day. You're one thing when things are good, you're something else when things are bad. You're nice to people when you want something. Ain't nobody going to help me preach. But when somebody wants something from you or somebody does something that inconvenience you, so that's what we're talking about. Don't be a double-minded man. And this is what the wise man was saying. It'd be better for you to be poor. It'd be better for you to be lonely, naked, starving, and have your integrity than to be lost in a perversion, to be in some kind of an instability kind of thing going back and forth. Now, I titled this tonight, Check Your Heart. Check your heart. If, you're, if, you, if you pay attention to social media and some of the things, there's a, there's a Christian comedian by the name of John, is it John Chris? Christ? And he's, he's pretty funny. He's, he's pretty funny. I probably don't agree with everything. You probably don't agree with everything he says, but there's a lot of stuff that I think he's pretty funny about. He's, and, and your humor might be different than mine, and that's okay. But one of the things he uh, was teasing about earlier this summer on social media was he came up with this tagline, check your heart. And he was posting things, I can't even remember all of them, and then he invited the social media world to start making uh, uh, quote statements 
Hashtag it, check your heart, and the best one would win something. I don't know what people want. So people started putting all these things in there. Things like um, if you are, are uh, what, what was one of the ones he would say? And we, I shouldn't even get into this, but this is Bible study, but I got sidetracked here. But like if you skip church to stay home to watch the football game, check your heart. That's, that's the kind of stuff he'd say. And then from there, those, there was stuff that was more serious. And then from there, it went, it got a little bit, you know, more humorous and other things like that. So like, like if you make change in the offering, and you take out more than you put in, check your heart. You know, that, that kind of thing, you know, kind of thing. So I hope people don't do that. I... So the funny thing is, I think he's selling t-shirts now, say, check your heart, everything. I mean, you got full, full you know, all kinds of stuff and marketing and people are wearing this stuff and it's hilarious and, and uh, you know, just, just it's, it's, it's pretty funny. And he's using humor, but, but there is a reality in this that you ought to check your heart. Check your heart. Check your heart. You say one of the best ways to check your heart is when you leave a, when you leave a good, good church service and you just got a, the victory. Man, God gave you the victory and you're on your way home. And somebody cuts you off in traffic. <clears throat> Amen? If it's been a few days since you've been to the prayer meeting or prayer room, you're going to act a whole lot different than when, right? That's right. Yeah, that's right. Than when you just walked out of church. And I can tell, I can tell what, how much. I've been praying or how much I've not been praying or how much I need to be praying based on my patience level, my patience barometer. Check your heart. And so in a serious way, that's what we've got to do with our life. We've got to stop and evaluate and check our heart. And, and in living life, it's so easy to pick on everything else. And sometimes you've got to stop and say, no, 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 wait. Look, look at me. Look at what I am doing. What am I doing right here? Let's forget about everybody else and let's check my heart. Stop complaining about somebody else. Stop complaining about something else and, and, and look at yourself and say, how is my integrity? Because when I stand before God and when you stand before God, we're not going to be able to say, Lord, she was just, she was just mean. Lord, no, we're not going to be able to say, you know, no, God, they, that just was not fair. No, we are all going to give an account for ourselves. And that's what we're dealing with tonight. That's what we're dealing with tonight. So there's four things that I want to highlight tonight. The first is the way of integrity. The way of integrity. The Bible says, and this isn't up there, I didn't give you this verse, but there is a way which seemeth right unto the man, and the end thereof is the way of death. You walk in your own way, you walk in your own conceit, that's, that's not going to end well. Trust me, it's not going to end well. And anybody that's trying to help you on that death-ridden path is your friend, not your enemy. But look at this, the way of integrity. Let's go to Proverbs 11 and 3, and it says this, The, the integrity of the upright shall guide them. But the perverseness, here we are, here we are again. There's a perversion. What's a perversion? It's a distortion of the purpose that God intended. The perverseness of transgressors shall destroy them. Integrity, wholeness, complete, 
moral uprightness, godliness, if you will. Uh, the, the, the wholeness of integrity of the upright shall guide them. So what does that let us know? It's guiding them. There is a way of integrity. There is a way of integrity. Now, we live in a polarized culture, civilization, time in the world. And as, as the world becomes more global, and we're seeing that unfold in our life like never before in the history of man as the world is interacting on a global scale like never before, uh, as the world becomes more global, uh, Scripture tells us that they're going to say, peace, peace, and it's going to seem like everything's going to be great and everything's working out, but really underneath this, the, the subterrain of cultures is going to be this mass of eruptions that's just waiting to blow. Peace, peace, and he says, and sudden destruction is going to come. We're seeing all this globalness come together, but there's going to be this absolute uh, uh, erupting integrity. The integrity of man will live a certain way. And, and our way of life, the way of, of integrity, is not a way that is up for election, that is subject to polls or to votes. You know what I'm saying? There's a right way. Anybody old-fashioned enough just to believe that they're still right and they're still wrong? And these are not defined by my opinions, my objectives, my agendas. They are defined by the Word of God. And the Word of God is revealed by the character of God. Who He is is what is revealed to us here in this, in this holy, sacred book. So the integrity of the right shall guide them. It's going to be your guide. Integrity is going to be your guide. So as a spiritual being, I would want nothing more. My prayer for you is for you to be whole, for you to be complete in God, in Christ. We know, Paul says, you are complete in Him. You're not complete without Him. So that means you can't be an integer Without Christ, you can't be a whole. You're just a fraction. Is that all right? You're just a fraction of what you should be until the Lord is in your life. Paul says, "We, you are complete in Him. So we've got to have the Lord inside of our life. So I need the ways of God. I need the ways of integrity. There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof is the way of death. But integrity is what's going to guide me. Now people say, oh, I... I Pastor, Pastor, I need you to pray. I need you to pray. I need you to pray. And if you ask me for prayer, don't, I'm not talking about anybody. But people say, I need you to pray. I need you to pray. No, you don't need to pray about this. There are some things you don't need to be, you don't pray about. It's just right and it's just wrong. You just need to do it. Is that all right? Is that, is that okay, preacher? That's a good place to say amen right there. I'll save you a whole lot of anxiety, save you a whole lot of worrying about. Just say, yes, Lord. I don't need to pray about this. I just need to do what's right. Now, I don't always feel like doing what's right. Right? Sometimes I feel like, man, they, they really, I just, I tell you, I don't, I don't feel like doing what's right to them. You know what I'm saying? But I do what's right. We do what's right. Not because of what we feel, because I don't have to pray about this. I'm going to do what's right. Sometimes in life, folks, don't, don't let temptation don't let the enemy, and don't let temptation, hear me, don't let pride, 
and the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eye. Play with your emotions and your heart over things. People start following after that, and that's where your integrity breaks down. No, I don't need to pray about this. I, I, I'm, gonna, I'm going to fear God, and I'm going to issue evil. Okay, I just, it's Wednesday night. I don't know. Maybe everybody's going to sleep. I need to stir something up tonight. There are some things in life you don't need to pray about. You just need to turn that off. Close that book. Change that channel. Kill that subscription. You know what I'm talking about? I don't need to pray about this. I just need to do what's right. And let, let my integrity stand for itself. We can complicate life so much. We can complicate it so much. God, what do I do? Oh, I don't know if I should do that. I don't know if I should do this. I don't know. Yeah, yes, it's right here in His Word. And let's just roll it out and make it real simple. I'm going to follow. The integrity of the upright shall guide them. The Bible says this, He that hath an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit saith to the churches. Somebody says, well, you know, I've been praying. God just, God just not giving me an answer. Well, maybe he's not giving you an answer on a specific detail, but he's given you plenty of answers of how to live, of what to do, of to have faith in God. And you don't walk out on God and say, well, God never answered me, so I'm going to walk away from God, or I'm going to quit on God, or I'm going to give up on God. No, be a whole. Don't be a fraction of who you are. Be a whole of who you are. You're complete in him. So the, the integrity affects the whole person. Can I just give you a quick list? We'll just go through this real quick. You don't have to write these down. But integrity affects the whole person. Your integrity is going to affect your attitude. In fact, it should inform your attitude. Is this all right? When my attitude's wrong, I don't have to pray about, well, God, I want to justify this attitude. No, I know. I just, I'm, okay, I got to get a better attitude. My integrity will inform my conversation. Hello, somebody. My integrity informs my actions. It's going to have, a, it's going to have an influence on my actions. Get this. This one's, this one's where I think we all should start. Our integrity should dictate our thoughts. Our thoughts. If you've got a problem with your mouth running away with you, and saying things that you regret, the Bible says that when you speak, you speak out of the abundance of the heart, right? So if you want to change what you're saying, don't, don't try to get a, a wire brace and wire your mouth shut. That's not going to help. The way to change it is change how you think. And when you think like God thinks, you don't have to worry about what you're going to say. So your thoughts. Your integrity is going to determine whether you are a person who is destructive in nature. Destructive. Have you ever met somebody that's destructive? They're always tearing down. They're always criticizing. Everything tear down, tear down, tear down, tear down. They can't say anything nice. It's always a backhanded compliment. It's always, they can't ever just say something simple and leave it there. Or your integrity is going to determine whether you are a supportive person that's going to be supportive in there. Your integrity is going to determine whether or not you're a gossip or, as the Bible calls it, a whisperer, or whether you're going to be somebody that knows how to close your mouth and, the Bible says, keep secrets. Can I tell you, there are some things that ought not be told. 
There are some things that ought not ever be shared. And just because we know them doesn't need, mean that we need to tell them. I, Brother Blake and I was having a conversation. I can't even remember what it was now. And we were saying some things just, some things just don't need to be shared. Some things, sometimes it's just good. You just, oh, isn't that unfortunate? And you go on and you just leave it there and you go on. There's some details, some things in life, just leave it there and go on. Don't pass that on to your children. Don't pass it on to your neighbor. Pass it on to other people. And your integrity is going to determine how you do that. Your integrity is going to determine what you are looking for. What are you looking for in life? What are you chasing after in life? Are you chasing after, is it of humility? Is it of purity? Or are you looking for things that are prideful and sinful in your life? What, what's your desires? Check your heart. Check your heart. A good place in our day and age to check your heart. The greatest place to check your heart is um, check your entertainment. If I can just be pastor for a little bit. If your entertainment is full of all kinds of vile stuff and everything else that you would not want the pastor to be, then maybe you all check your heart. Is that all right? Check your heart. I, I uh, used to tell students when I was at Indiana Bible College, we had this thing where we had to do dorm inspection. And that was basically where we had to go in and we had to make sure that the rooms were clean. Because if you don't keep the rooms clean, then bugs come and all these other things. So we're doing room inspection. And we were doing room inspection and I'd go in and I'd say, my Lord, I mean, some of, some of these guys' rooms, wow, some of them are pastors now in the great state of Illinois and other places. And I'd tell them, I'd be like, my Lord, how in the world do you think you're ever going to be a minister when you live like this? I mean, this is just unbelievable. I said, oh, br Brother Romine, that, that, is, that doesn't mean anything. That doesn't mean anything. I'm like, no, no, no. It means something, though. It means something. And I'd say, if nothing else, it's telling me this, that if you don't have the discipline to keep your room straight, you probably don't have the discipline to be praying and reading your Bible like you need to be. Check your heart. And I had somebody, it was just this last month, I was out preaching at a rally. Somebody said, Brother Roma, I remember, I remember that thing that you said. I was like, oh, what's that? I'd forgotten what I'd said. I forgot a whole lot of things of what I said. And they said, I remember when you said that when you walked into our dorm room, you could tell whether or not we were praying or not by the way we kept our dorm room. I said, well, there's probably a lot of truth to that. There's a whole lot of truth to that. I'll never forget, I was preaching, and I'm going to say this tonight. We're, we're, we're uh, still living out of boxes trying to unpack, and there's still things we can't find. I can't find my coffee mugs, and Janelle can't find her bowls, and there's other stuff. It's all in there. You know how it is, and it, it, we'll find it eventually, but... Some things got packed and they got wrong labeled. Or they had, I, I opened up a box the other day and it said Charlie's clothes. And I was trying to figure out who Charlie was and then I realized Brother Cox gave me a box to, to pack up some stuff and we forgot to write on it. <laughs> so here I got Charlie's clothes over my garage there kind of thing. So needless to say, I can't, I have been able to find my shoe polish, so I'm going to tell on myself tonight, but I remember I was preaching revival. I was a young evangelist, and this elder lady was, was there basically at the church. I think it was Sister Wanda Niker. I don't know if you ever heard. She's an elder evangelist, and she passed away a while back, late in her 80s, and she came up. She said, that was good tonight. She was a stern, straight to the point. That was good tonight. I knew it was going to be all right when I looked at your shoes. Your shoes were polished. She said, if a preacher doesn't have polished shoes, she said, I don't even listen to him. 
If he's not polishing his shoes, he's not praying, he's not reading his Bible. Just, I'm not, just. I was so nervous, I looked down. Thank you, Lord. I had just polished my shoes before I went to church that night. I'm, not, I'm, I'm telling the truth. I was like, thank you, Lord. That, that timing couldn't have come out better. I tell you what, though, you know what happens? Every time I, I walk out to preach now, I look at my shoes, and I think of Sister Nykirk, and I think, oh, man, is that, is that, are those good enough? You know, kind of. Check your heart. you got to check your heart, though. Your integrity is going to inform every avenue of who you are. Check your heart. If you are looking for opportunities to sin, check your heart. Nobody becomes an alcoholic overnight. You're looking for something. You're looking for something in the wrong place. Check your heart. If you're concerned with making right choices, it's because of the integrity that's in you. People that have a disposition that don't care about life, they're just litterers. They litter over everything. It's just trash. They're just trash stuff. Or there's people that are looking to clean things up and make things better. That does not happen because of how you raise. Ultimately, it's because of who you are. Deep on the inside. Is this all right tonight? This is very practical. It's one thing to worship God in the church house, but are you a worshiper in private? Some people, man, they really want God when everybody else is around. They can really do it upright when everybody else is around. I hope that you worship God just as fiercely and as much when you're alone as you do in corporate times. What brings the power to the corporate prayer? What brings the power to the corporate worship is when we as integral people come together as wholes and we are all worshiping God and magnifying Him together because it's what we do. God's not fooled by our show. God's not fooled by our fractions. And when we're living for God with a fraction of our heart, no, the Lord says, a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. So live for God when others are not watching. Live for God no matter when. It's harder to find examples of integrity at times, but it's easy to find examples that lack integrity. If you're watching the fallout, among our culture today, if you pay attention, there is a fallout in integrity. Integrity. At every level, in every, in every realm. And even things that used to have meaning just a decade ago, just a decade ago, are already slipping and it's expected. Oh, that's just how people are now today. People are lacking of integrity. So bad. It reminds me, and this is in my notes, but it reminds me of the prophecy in Revelation, where the Bible says that there would come a day where seven women would be willing to be the wife of one man. That's crazy to even think about. Uh, uh, literal people try to explain that away, but if you take the Bible literally in, in that understanding, I, I don't know. Could it be that culture globally or around the world will slip so low? That people will be so desperate for something that we would get to a state that we, is unthinkable to us today that it would slip to a place that low? Am I in the Word? That's what the Word says. Fall out of integrity. We need men and we need women of integrity in this day and age. 
Let's go to the next point. And the next point is this. The redemption of integrity. The redemption of integrity. Here's the beautiful thing about integrity. Integrity doesn't mean that you were always perfect. There's people that sit in this room that are people, men and women, I believe, of integrity. It doesn't mean you've not been without fall. It doesn't mean you're not without blemish, not without failure, not without trouble. But it means that integrity has a redeeming thing. Look at this. The state of David. The Lord tells Solomon in 1 Kings 9 and 4, And if thou wilt walk before me, look at what he says, As David thy father walked in integrity of heart and in uprightness to do according to all that I have commanded thee and will keep my statutes and my judgments. God, speaking to Solomon, said, speaking of Solomon's father David, yeah, that same David who numbered Israel and defied the word of God, that same David who had a man murdered so he could justify his own illicit affair, that same man who, 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 who would go through all these other things and lie to the prophet, that same man found redemption through integrity. Just because you make a mistake does not mean that you can't correct it because David would correct it. And maybe that gives us insight into what he writes in Psalms 101, verses 2 and 3. David says, I will behave myself wisely in a perfect way. Oh, when wilt thou come unto me? I will walk within mine house with a perfect heart. <laughs> Why would David make that his song in prayer? Because David had walked in his house without a perfect heart. And he understood, it's better to be poor in your integrity than to have perverseness in your lips. And he allows integrity to be his revival and his redemption. The Bible says in Proverbs 22, a good name is rather to be chosen. A good name is rather to be chosen than gold and silver and great riches. That's a good name. And, and if you've lost that, you can redeem a bad reputation by building a new one. And you start over. And that's the redemption of integrity. That's the beautiful thing about integrity. You can live it down. You can live down a bad reputation with a good reputation. David goes on in Psalms, uh, uh, and he says, I will set no wicked thing before my eye. I hate the work of them that turn aside. It shall not cleave to me. He's doing the same thing that Job did, fearing God and issuing evil. And he's pushing this out of his heart. And you can be redeemed through integrity. Can I tell you, there's nothing more wonderful than, than the power of God and godliness, holiness, integrity, filling a life, filling a heart. And God can redeem you. It does not matter. Integrity is redemptive. It is redemptive. It, it may seem hard. It may seem unbelievable. But people that have gone run, run through the mill, that can't hold a relationship together, God can get inside of them. And you are complete in them. And it doesn't matter how many other partners and spouses you had before. If you allow God to work, 
God can make the present union one that's redeemed. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful that God is a redeemer. He's a restorer. He's a way maker. I'll never forget the man. We used to preach every year at this church up in Minnesota. And there was this brother, large man, uh, tall man, big guy. Used to be a boxer in the Irish mob in Boston. And, of course, most people didn't know that. He'd sit through a service and bawl his eyes out. He'd come down. He'd pray at those altars. Small church, humble church. And, but the pastor and his wife, wow, some of the most integral people that my wife and I knew. Just tremendous, tremendous Christians. The man was a farmer, and there was no church in the community. And so he started a church in his house. And that was how the, the church grew out. In fact, he passed away a few years ago. And, and uh, I was out on his farm, and uh, I think it was somebody, I think it was, it was either Shauna or my mother-in-law wanted some, uh, what was it? Some... Birch, birch wood. And so you can't get birch wood down here. You can't get good birch wood. So I, I, he had, I don't know how many acres he had, 100 acres or so. And, and uh, he said, hey, can, can I go pick up some old birch wood, take it back down? And so he said, absolutely. And so Brother Thone got out one morning, fired up that chainsaw, and we walked way out into the woods until we found a good-looking live birch. There was all kinds of dead ones everywhere. He said, no, you, you need a good one. And we cut, he cut that tree down, and we cut that up and brought that wood home. And Shauna has some of that wood in her house there. It's cool for decorations and just reminds him of the north of Michigan. And it's cool. But Brother Thone, you, you'd never know him. You don't know his name. You'd never hear of him. But a man of integrity. A man of integrity. And he won this man in his church. So I, I, I'd been there. This is my second or third time to be there and had a revival and was talking to him. And he began to tell me of what God had saved him from in his life. He said, I was doing life in prison in a federal pen in Louisiana. He said, I was a part of the Irish mob. I used to box and all that stuff out in Boston. And he said, I was convicted of murder in the first degree and nine attempted murders. And in the mob, he was sort of the body shield. He was the guy that would go take care of people. He didn't tell me how many people he'd killed. He just told me what he's convicted of. He said, but the kids in this church, they don't know that. They don't know it. All they know me is his brother. I can't remember his first name. And he was one of the lay ministers. Wasn't even a licensed minister there. Had a ministry in the prison. And on the bulletin board out in the foyer, there was his picture with 15 guys from the prison. All those guys. He said, Pastor, can't get into this prison, but I'm in here. And all those guys were guys that he'd baptized in Jesus' name. Filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. He said, I was serving... Life sentence in prison. And so preachers got into the prison and they preached to me. Acts 2.38, he said, I, I repented of my sins, was baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. He said, they brought me back before. I don't, I don't know the whole process. Brought him back up before. and A man doing life, they let him out. They let him out. He said, I don't even, I still this day don't know why they let me out. He said, I I, my guess was the prison was overcrowded and they needed my bed. He said, that's the best I can come up with. He said, but all I know is when I stood before them, they said, they looked at me and said, you are not the same man that was convicted of these crimes. You're not the same man that came in here. I don't even know why you're in here. I'm going to tell you, that's the redemption of integrity. 
You say, wow, murderer, you wipe that away. Wow, why? Because of his integrity. Standing over there, worshiping God, praising God. Big old man, tears running. He's the biggest teddy bear in the church now. Loving people, gives candy out. And, and kids just, just hang out around him. He's, he's just like one of, one of the guys that you would never know why. Because that's the redemption of integrity. Go on to the next one. We'll look at this one. We'll close quick. The blessing of integrity. Not only do we have the way of integrity, the redemption of integrity, but we have the blessing of integrity in Proverbs 20 and 7. The just man walketh in his integrity. And look at this. His children are blessed after him. It's a blessing. It's a blessing you pass on to your children. Now, I thank God that at the cross... It doesn't matter who your parents are. It doesn't matter what you were born in. You can overcome everything. God can overcome everything. But let's not be ignorant of the fact that there is a blessing in life that can go from the integrity of parents. Oh, you were so-and-so's son? Wow. Wow. They, they, they were the kindest people. Oh, I, I, there, there's a reputation that's there. That, that reputation alone. Now, now the son and the daughter at some point have to match it, have to live up to their own level. But there are doors and opportunities in life that can open up because of the blessing of parents. Can I tell you, parents, one of the greatest things you're giving your kids is not their physical inheritance. Because all that can be wiped out in one storm and all that can be made uh, it, back in a lifetime. But the greatest thing you're giving them is the blessing of integrity. What a blessing it is. And we ought to thank God. It, unfortunately, it's not always His case. People are human and people make mistakes. But when, when you are raised, when, you, when a child has the opportunity to grow up in a home and see a mother love a father, and a father love a mother, and, and people that not, they don't have to be perfect. Your kids are not going to grow up and say, well, you guys weren't perfect, I don't like you. No. If anything, they're going to grow up and say, wow, you weren't perfect, and I appreciate it. I appreciate the things it taught me, but it's opening up so many doors. The blessing of the children is having parents of integrity and what that brings them not only what it brings them, but what it keeps them from. Mama, every time you prayed, Dad, every time you went to church, every time you did what was right and not what you felt like doing, because there's going to be a lot of times in life where you feel like doing one thing, but when the way of integrity guides you and you follow after that, there's a blessing that is being ingrained in your children just by the choices that you are making. And thank God, He's a redeemer of integrity too. My, my grandparents, some of the things I found out later on in my life, wow, just unbelievable. They were in their 40s before they even came to the Lord. Some of the things that went on and they went through and walked through. I come along, my mother was the last of the children. My, my grandfather was quite... Uh, when I was born, my grandfather, I think, was 70 years old. He passed away when I was 19. And so he, he was old enough to be... I remember we had Grandparents Day when I was a kid at 
elementary school, my grandpa came in, and my grandpa was old enough to be a lot of the grandparents' parents. And I saw him at the end of life. We used to make fun a little bit of grandpa, because if we ever had the family over, grandpa had to pray for the meal. We say, oh, does grandpa have to pray tonight? Because we knew it was going to be a long time, and us kids were hungry. We're going to pray. My dad would go over and call him in. Yeah, my, my grandfather wasn't very tall, and uh, he shrunk as he got older. And he'd, he'd pray for the meal, and he'd take off his glasses, and he'd pull out that handkerchief, and he'd start praying. And God, I thank you for my family, and thank you for this time together. And he started going through this prayer, and he started crying and sobbing. And I'm always thinking, Grandpa, it's just chicken. You know, it's just, it's just chicken, you know. It's just, you know. And Grandpa's crying, and Grandpa always did that. We always, we always sort of made fun of him. Oh, Grandpa's got to pray the longest prayer. Grandpa's praying the longest prayer. Oh, my goodness. thought we were never going to. I was starving. I was ready, ready to eat, ready to eat, ready to eat. Grandpa's gone now. Now I know some of the details of his life, and I knew what he grew through and what he grew up with and what happened. I, the fact that their marriage stayed together is an absolute miracle. It, it, there's no reason. The stuff that I know now, the details that you find out in newspapers and other historical archives, wow. Every time he was in a house with family and asked to pray, he was praying from such a deep pit that God had saved him out of. I can't help but think about his prayers and not have to take my glasses off and wipe my eyes a little bit because of what God's done in his life. But the blessing of integrity is that that's not the grapple I knew. I didn't know all the junk. I didn't know all the stuff. All I knew was I knew a sweet man that loved God. I knew a man that I'd go over and we'd go for walks with grandpa. And grandpa went for walks, lived in a rough neighborhood. Wow, rough neighborhood. 40 years was in that house. I think when we sold that house, it was only worth about 10 grand. Inner city, inside, right downtown Indianapolis. He went for walks. I went for walks with grandpa. And I loved going for walks with grandpa. He knew everybody on the streets. He knew everybody everywhere. The bums, the... Homeless, the alcoholics, the drug addicts, all those places. And Grandpa just went around. We prayed for the food. Wow. Wow. The blessing of integrity. I knew a man that loved. I didn't know a man that hurt. I knew a man that loved. I didn't know a man that hated. Because why? Because integrity not only redeemed, but then the blessing of integrity was passed down from generation to generation. And you're passing that on. Finally, I'll leave you with this. And this is the strength of integrity. It's called the confidence of integrity. When you walk with integrity, when you've lived integrity, when you have given your whole heart to God and you are not a fraction and you are not just a partial sum, but you are complete in Christ and you are everything, there is a confidence. It's the only place in Scripture that I find confidence where men stand before God and it's built upon their integrity. Look at what Job says in Job 31 and 6. He says, let me be weighed in an even balance. 
that God may know mine integrity. After his wife comes and says, curse God and die, he holds on. No, after his friends come and start picking his life apart and saying, there has to be sin. You have to be a reprobate to go through this much. Job says, "Uh uh-uh, I know I didn't commit adultery. I haven't done all these things that they've accused me of. And it was not because Job was prideful, but it was because he was saying, no, He was that perfect and upright man that feared God and issued evil. And he's standing before the Lord in his integrity now. Not because he'd always been perfect. And he says, God, lay me in the balance. Wow. You know what that tells me? That tells me that you and I can have victory over sin through Christ. That we can live such a life in Christ that we don't lay our head on the pillow and wonder whether or not we're saved. No, I know I'm saved. That when life throws its worst at you and you don't understand it, you can say, God, search me and try me and see if there's anything wrong. And if there is, I want to change it. But lay my life in an even balance. Here's my integrity. God, I've been faithful when no one is watching. And now when everybody's looking, let it be known how I've lived. Wow, this is actually in your Bible. The confidence of integrity. There doesn't have to be a cloud of guilt over your life all the time. And you hear me say that. If there is, I call you to a place of humility and repentance for the Lord. Let God wash you, cleanse you, give you strength. But when He does, when you walk in the way of the upright, when you allow yourself to worship God in the beauty of holiness, that's what that's all about. You can stand before God. And say, God, I've walked in your ways. I'm coming back. Sometimes you got to do that. Look at what it says in Psalm 26 and 1. David says this. This was bold. David said, judge me, O Lord, for I have walked in mine integrity. This is a prayer, a song, where David comes to God and says, God, judge me. Now, I don't know about you, but I... I'm not necessarily waking up in the morning saying, oh, God, judge me. I'm usually wanting to, you know, when you have company over, we're not having company over right now, by the way. When you have company over, you straighten up the house, right? You want everything to be clean. You don't want anybody to, to judge. You know they are judging. That's why you don't. David is like inviting God into the corridors of his heart. In saying, judge me, for I've walked in mine integrity. Psalm 26 and 11, he says, But as for me, I will walk in mine integrity. Redeem me and be merciful unto me. It's a confidence that comes in his integrity that falls back to the mercy of God. Lord, you gave your word. You gave a promise in your word. I've lived by that word. And so God, now I'm coming back and I'm standing on that word. Can I tell you, that's not... I used to think, man, that seems so arrogant. That seems so proud. No, I'm going to tell you, as I study the word and I learn the word more and more, when you keep God's commandments, when you walk in the ways of God, there is a confidence that comes, that falls on an altar, says, God, not my will, but thy will be done. But Lord, that's the caveat. That, that's the umbrella. That's the absolute. But God, I want you to know, I've walked in your word. 
I've been faithful. I, I've stayed faithful and I've stayed true. And there's times where you call us to prove you. There's times where you call us to see if you won't do a miracle. And God, we need you to work. I don't, I don't, I'm not giving you the answer. I'm not telling you what to do. But God, I need you to work. And God, here I am. I'm standing in this place. I'm going to tell you, there is a confidence that comes in that prayer. Versus the prayer that's coming saying, God, I know you had not seen me in a few years. But God, I, I really do like you. There's not much confidence in that prayer. There's not much trust in that prayer. There's not much faith in that prayer. There's not much proving in that prayer. But when you can say, God, here I am, here I stand, here I've been, Lord, and I'm standing again. I'm not leaving. I'm not moving. And God, here it is. I'm going to tell you, that's the kind of a heart that God is inviting. He, he, he let this be in His Word that God's inviting for us. He said, let me be weighed and even balance. Stand together with me tonight. I got a book here. And I was flipping through it today looking and I don't know what version they're quoting here, but they're quoting 1 Timothy chapter 4 and 8, which says godly exercise profit a little. In the King James Version, and here he says it this way. He said, for physical training, Paul says it in this translation, they, they re, redid it. I, I, I think it may make it easier for some to understand. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things. Holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. I don't know if... What is that? Okay. Useful for a little. But godliness, spiritual training, is useful in value in everything and in every way. I want to tell you, it's, it's, the, it's the intangibles of life that mean Everything. Don't chase after the stuff of this life. If God gives you stuff, God bless you. God bless you. I, I'm serious. Let God bless you. We ought to be thankful and happy. If God blesses somebody else around, we ought to rejoice with Him. Oh, that's just awesome. That's just great. Don't be envious. Don't be prideful. Don't be jealous. That's awesome. You know why? Because you don't know how long they're going to live. You may way outlive them and have many more blessings. So don't get caught up in that. Be happy. Hey, that's awesome. But that's not the end goal. The end goal is the intangibles of life. I want to be a man of integrity. I want to be a father of integrity. I want to be a husband of integrity. I want to be a pastor of integrity. I want to be a friend of integrity. I want godliness. I want godliness to be in me. That's, that's what I need in my heart. So check your heart. Check your heart. That's all I'm asking you to do tonight. Check your heart. Go home. Check your heart. Look at your stuff. Look at your life. Look at your time. Pre, pre, uh, uh, preview all of your priorities and all your attainments and all that stuff. I'm not saying that stuff is bad, but just check your heart and just say, okay, God, I don't want to be a fraction because a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Would you pray with me tonight, Lord?
I thank you, God, for your word. I thank you for